Hey, good morning, Sanctus Church, and welcome to 2021. Are you praying that this year is better than the last? I, th- I think we all are. Maybe you're huddled at home, still in lockdown, waiting for a voice in the heavens to say, welcome to round two. Well, no matter what happens this year, what we face, what we go through, we as a local church, Sanctus Church, still have a God-given task that our Lord continues to command us into and invite us into. So today I want to begin this mini uh, vision series like I did last September. Now to understand today's message and the trajectory and tone of the last half of this ministry year, I need to go back a year ago when 2020 began. Now some of you are screaming at your phones, at your iPads, at your televisions, don't even say 2020 ever again. Don't go back, I know, but it's important for today. It was a year ago, literally a year ago, January 2020, the new year had just started. Now, as one of the lead pastors in this church, I have a few key roles, primary teacher of God's word, vision caster, building spiritual culture, etc. Now, every four to six months before the next ministry year begins, I take some time, the staff jokingly call it going up the mountain, and I go before God and ask him what he wants to say to our church in the coming ministry moment. Now, what I'm about to say again is crucial. If you're new to our church and you come from another church, this is important. I could, we could preach any part of the Bible at any time in any season and it would change us if we were open and it would be relevant because God's word is alive and active and is God and God is always speaking through his word. But since Jesus is our model and Jesus did nothing except what the father told him to do and he used spiritual disciplines to inquire of the Lord, we do the same. And so I and then we go by the Spirit through Jesus to the Father and ask the question, do you want to say something specific in this time, in this season to us as a local church? And sometimes he says yes, and there's great assurance and power when he does that. So I sat with the Lord four to six months before the beginning of our planning. And at that moment, the Lord said, yes, I do want to say something. And and he said, the year would be, or the theme would be, transition. Oh my goodness, we heard that one right. I had no clue. We had no clue what that would mean, but man, are we living through transition. And then God was very specific. I I want you, as you go through September 2020, through June 2021, here's what I want you to teach on. First, second Timothy. I want you to preach about it because it's about perseverance in dangerous and uncertain times. Second, I want you to preach on Philemon because it's all about how Jesus as king changes the conversation about money, race, church, and economics. Then he says, I want you to go back to the Psalms again and teach my people to intercede and channel their anger and sadness into prayer because prayer changes the world. And lastly, he said, I want you to go back to Exodus. And I said, the whole book? He said, no, no, three many parts. First, I want you to preach on why I am the God of the impossible. Second, I want you to remind my people that I am God who sustains in the long middle as you go to the next place. And lastly, I want you to teach the people how to worship me in holiness. And the phrases I got was right worship and portable worship. Now, let me just do this like I did in September. Wow, wow, wow. All that was given to us pre-COVID. God knew what we needed to hear. God knew COVID-19 was coming. God knew a global pandemic would affect us. God knew what would happen about race and economics globally, but more. God knew years ago that when he gave our church his assignment and the promises connected to them, all this would come. 
So again, halfway through this ministry year, in this moment of fear and pause, in this long middle, God has not changed his mind. God is still going to continue to do the impossible through us as a local church. 10,000, it is going to happen. Second Chronicles 5, an ongoing systematic renewal and revival. Zechariah 8, Jeremiah 30, the ongoing move of the Spirit. The nations coming to Sanctus to encounter the living God. All of it. And by the way, if you're new to Sanctus Church and you have no clue what I'm talking about, then go back on our podcast, on our website, and listen to September 9th, 2018, where we outline in a series called Fully Devoted All the Promises to Our Church. Okay, so we start a year. Let's be clear again. What's our mission? Why do we exist? Well, our reason for existing is the same as every other church, to glorify God by enabling people of all ages to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Amen. But our God-given vision, our unique assignment, oh, it's different, to become a regional church of 10,000 meeting the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of people in Jesus' name. So here we are in January 2021. God spoke to us in Exodus back in September how he's the God of the impossible. He'll continue to do the impossible through us. In September, we were told that God is not deaf to what we're going through. Moses as a character taught us that he began to fall down when he looked at his own resources, his lack of ability, his history, his failures, and not at God. But the biggest takeaway for us as a church, if you remember, was God remembers his promises and his word first, and then our situation second. In other words, God has always moved by his own word and promises. And since we as a local church have all the promises of God in Jesus, but we have specific promises, we should have great confidence about our future. We walk through 2 Timothy together, walking through what does it look like to be faithful and dangerous on certain times. We did Christmas together. We watched baptisms. The last thing we saw at the end of 2020 was new life in Jesus Christ. Soon we're about to dive into Philemon in February. But in that middle, let's let God speak out of Exodus again. Today, we focus not on God of the impossible, but God our sustainer. And as we start 2021, as we are living in this long middle, uh, this is our reality. On our way to 10,000, we're in the long middle. With jobs, with COVID, with possible vaccines, with disagreement, we're in the middle. And as we'll see, our spiritual ancestors are just like us, and we're just like them. In the long middle, we can become distracted and scared and untrusting and even unfaithful. But in the middle is where daily bread appears. And so does his provision and presence. So this mini-series, by the way, is not a rebuke towards our church. It's actually, it's a rally call to keep going and journey as we get to the next destination on our journey towards our God-given assignment. So if there's any part in the Bible that brings all this together, obedience, supernatural provision, commands, how it ties to mission, vision, next steps, our personal walk with Jesus, It's the little section in the book of Exodus between Israel leaving Egypt, but before they get the Ten Commandments and encounter God at Sinai. It's found in Exodus 16. So if you've got a Bible, virtual, physical, navigate there, turn there. We enter the story here. Mere months have passed since the Exodus. Ten plagues, Red Sea, God drowns the Egyptian army. For the first time in 400 plus years, the Jewish people are free. There's an amazing praise moment that you can read in Exodus 15, a whole song is written about this liberating act. But then reality sets in. Just like marriage and post-dating, post-honeymoon, 
Reality is suddenly here. Around 30 days have passed, food is running out, the water situation is dangerous, the people now are scared, angry, wondering, and wandering. Only a few days earlier, God had taken poisonous water, made it sweet, and saved his whole family. But no matter, suddenly, and not that unexpectedly, the situation turns ugly. Not just ugly, really ugly, really quickly. Exodus 16.1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the Israelites said to their leaders, if we'd only died by God's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, ate all the food we wanted, but, but you've brought us out here into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Okay, what happened? I, when I preached this passage before, I've said this. What changed? When did abuse and slavery and wholesale human trafficking and no freedom and humans treated like animals and systematic death become Disney World with clean streets and great food and justice for all and fun for the whole family? When did they start thinking that the waters of the Nile were so amazing? When a generation earlier, that very river was filled with the murdering drowned babies of boys because they didn't want more Jewish men. Can you imagine Moses hearing this? He was one of the few baby boys that survived that genocide in that river. Since when did Egypt become the best buffet place on earth? It happened when they had nothing to support them except God. They stopped trusting in God, looking to God, when they looked everywhere else, and most distressingly, when they looked back. Sound familiar, by the way? All their comforts have been removed, and now they trust God or there's nothing left. Sound like your situation, our situation? By the way, this temptation has been faced down by every generation of God followers. It was Asva who summarized this in Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but for me, my foot almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked they had no struggles. Their bodies were healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. I have washed my hands in innocence. And I tried to understand all of this. It troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Oh, then I understood their final destiny. See, when you look back and find God, and you look up and find God, and remember what he has done and he is doing, and what he has promised to do, then panic and sin is removed. God is saying in this case to his people, my beloved child, my firstborn son, the place that you want to go back to leads to death. Egypt is death. Love me as you once did a month and a half ago. Don't envy. Don't look back. Don't look to the left or to the right. Don't even look to yourself. Look up at no love and no holiness and no freedom that lasts. Okay, let me ask a question that should be on your mind. Why did they even look back and invent a place that didn't even exist? And they were there a month and a half ago. Were they foolish, stupid, idiotic? Do you think, oh, I would have done so much better? Well, no. Don't forget, they'd been slaves for over 400 years. It's all they knew. They were used to it. It was weirdly safe. They had a love-hate relationship with Egypt. It's like going back to an abusive spouse because you're used to it. It's like going back to alcohol or drugs that consume and can comfort because it's known, even though you know it brings death, 
It's the thing you're used to. And listen to what they say. God brought us out here to die and to make no difference at all. The known, the comfortable, had more power than God in his promises and his promptings. Oh, we think, oh, 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 if God was just with me. (laughs) I mean, if Jesus was literally just sitting right here or sitting beside me and we talked all the time, then I'd be more faithful. Then I would obey more because God's physical presence would make all the difference. Well, here's the crazy thing. In this moment, in history, God's literal physical presence is is among God's people in the form of a pillar of fire and cloud there day and night. So while they're grumbling and saying God was gonna kill them, they're literally looking at Moses and Aaron and looking up and seeing God and they still sin. See, here's the point. The path to the promised land is through the desert. It's through fear. It's through the unknown. It's through and in the long middle with nothing but God himself. So how does God respond to their unfaithfulness and their sin and their panic because all the comfort has been removed? Anger, wrath, fine, I'll send you back to the hellhole that you call heaven, Egypt? No, no, he's kind. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm gonna rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this, I will test them and see whether they're going to follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they'll bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather in the other days. Of course, because of the Sabbath. Manna is given. Bread from heaven. Ready? Daily bread is now understood for the first time. And, And get this. They didn't have to work for it. For the first time, Gift replaces unrelenting slavery, unpaid labor. I, God, will provide just what you need for today. But notice the bread is not the test. The amount is the test. Will they obey God and respond to his instructions? God's gift is food. And this gracious provision of good food must not be hoarded. In other words, God's people, write this down, please. God's people are called to be in a forever state of dependence on him. Wow, that goes against everything that we've been taught and everything in our human heart. Let me say this again. God's people, if you literally are a follower of Jesus, God's people are called to be in a forever state of dependence on him every day. This is how they learn to be part of God's family and God's servants, to trust him and to walk with him. Like wedding vows, this is part of the the marriage contract. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it's the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he heard your grumbling against us. Who are we? Oh, and then Moses and Aaron, the pastors of the day, say, you're not grumbling against us. You're grumbling against God. Okay, everyone, time out. Be real careful. I know we're all scared. I know we're all fearful. I know we've never been here before. I know we're all worried. I know that we don't have what we used to have. But you're freaking out on your leaders, and actually, it's really God you're going at. So he's going to give bread and quail every day. No more hungry. Every day is going to be a literal, known, obvious miracle. God is the one who brought you out of Egypt. He answered your prayers. God, our Redeemer, our God, the one true living God, the one who did all those plagues, 
He's the one you're complaining about, right? So be careful. And then something amazing happened. This is like so incredible. Then Moses told Aaron, verse 9, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. So what does God do? This is so brilliant. God in love turns his whole family to the east, looking straight into the desert, into the long middle, not westward back towards Egypt. He makes the whole community face the wilderness with no promised land on the horizon, just his promises. They're not even close to the promised land. And they're in the unknown, and they're in the uncomfortable, and they're in the desert, and they're in that place. God makes his palpable presence and his closest presence come even closer. In other words, the glory, the cloud, the Shekinah glory, the very dwelling presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is found where? In the long middle, not backwards. The Lord said to Moses, verse 11, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. And that evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? They did not know what it was. And Moses said, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person uh, so th that you have in your tent. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it till the morning. And then it was full of maggots and began to smell. And then God, verse 28, says to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? So God provides and God gives God loves and God tests and God shows up physically and God gives again and the people sort of trust him. They sort of believe and don't believe. They have faith, but they don't have confidence and they do not rely on his daily bread. Well, then another crisis happens in the next chapter. Once again, there's a water moment <laughs> and I can understand their panic. Can you imagine hundreds of thousands of people or over a million people with no water? How do you wash bathroom issues, toiletry issues, cleaning, cooking. It's scary. Yet God has provided everything else so far, right? Genesis 17.1. So the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin and they traveled to the place where the Lord commanded them. But there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. <laughs> now notice something's happened from chapter 16 to 17. The, the people of God, with the literal presence of God, have moved from grumbling now to quarreling, fighting to threatening. Literally, murder is lurking in God's people. Moses replies, why do you quarrel with me? And why do you put God to the test? But the people were thirsty for water, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, why did you, Moses, bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? How many times? Again, they're actually doing what Pharaoh did. They're testing God, not trusting God, not obeying God. Moses didn't bring them out. God brought them out. There had been not, think about this, there had not been a crisis in the last 50 days 
that God had not resolved right in front of their eyes. Water, done. Food, done. Split the Red Sea, done. Drown the Egyptian army, done. The 10 plagues, he had never let them down in a period of two months, week after week, day after day. Well, verse four, then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? These people, they're already ready to stone me, to kill me. God answered Moses, go in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take the staff in your hand with you, the one that you struck the Nile with and go. And I'll stand before you by the rock at Horeb and strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of all the elders of Israel. God is the Lord of the desert. In other words, God is the Lord of the long middle. God is the Lord of Egypt. God is the Lord of all things. God is the Lord of the earth. Egypt was dangerous. The desert is dangerous, but God's still in control. He's not scared or overcome. And God is saying, look forward. Look to the Lord. Don't look down. Don't look at each other. Don't look back. How can you say the Lord is not among us? Now, okay, we get into 2021. Let me bring this home. First, this group of real historical events was preparation, was shadow for what we as as Christians, if you are one, what we experience today. Meals between God and his people are always a sign of salvation. And Jesus is the fulfillment of this whole story. Our Egypt as human beings, our slavery is sin, ownership by Satan, and guaranteed death. But in Jesus, we have the full and final exodus. Jesus' words and claims about himself only make sense when you know the story. John 6, 35, when Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. It's me, Jesus says, I'm the food. I'm the substance. I'm the manna. And, and we learned this at Christmas. Bethlehem means what? House of bread. And so not only the place where I'm born, but who I am. See, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. There are seven, by the way, I am statements in the book of John. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through me. I'm the true vine. I'm the bread of life. Now, all of these are nothing less than an outrageous claim of being God himself. For the name God gave to Moses at the burning bushes, I am that I am. So Jesus is claiming, ready? Because any Orthodox Jew hearing this would get this. When Jesus claims to be, I am the bread of life, he would understand he's claiming to be God and he's claiming to be the real salvation out of Egypt. He is manna, he is water, he is. As one pastor wrote, I love this. The manna, the daily bread, typifies Jesus. It was white like fallen snow, just like Jesus is without blemish or imperfection. But manna was accessible. That's one of its main virtues. When a man or woman or kid walks outside the camp to gather it, they had a choice. They could either walk on top of it or pick it up. So we can either walk on Jesus or take him up as a savior. What do you do with the bread of life? So we know that our Christian faith in the full sense is fulfilled here. But as we enter into 2021, what is the spirit of God teaching us, saying us, (coughs) encouraging us to do? Well, first of all, it's this. Let us personally choose to look to the hand of God for provision, not just in this year personally, but daily. 
Jesus taught us, right? Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily manna, our daily bread. I mean, this, this is where Jesus gets the idea for the Lord's Prayer. You, you can read about it in Deuteronomy 8, where he says, you know, this is how we walk with God. And so there has to be, as we begin this year, 2021, where whether you're doing incredibly well financially or you're really scared, every one of us as followers of Jesus say, personally, God, I need your manna today. I will ask for my basic needs, whether I feel I need them or not today. Clothing, shelter, life issues, godliness, what I'm facing today. This posture is so simple, but it confronts the idea that we are the masters of our own destiny, that I can deal with my life and I can fulfill my, what my family needs and I can deal with this church. No, no, no. This prayer moves us from self-trust and self-sufficiency to that daily dependence on God. We are utterly dependent on God for salvation, for godliness, for holiness, for hope, for faith, for love, for his gifts. But we should also be dependent on him every day for our basic needs. So what's the takeaway for 2021? We actually look to the hand of our master every day and say, Lord, your will and provision that I need today and nothing more. This is a beautiful invitation to now take the Lord's prayer seriously, to look for the manna God gives every day. Okay, that's personally for you. Now, let me speak to Sanctus Church. Let us together look for God's provision as we continue to move forward. So God told us that the theme for this year would be transition. Well, we're here. And the transitions aren't done. Online church, and then reopening, and then what else is going to, staff changes, and financial uncertainty, and the new virtual and physical gathering in the future. And yet, we are called to keep moving to reach 10,000. We are called to be a resource church for other churches, like we said in plan two, through worship and restoration prayer and teaching. And we're still not okay with the church collapsing across our country. And like I've shared this year, at least one in 10 churches are preparing their own funeral services at this moment. And we're still a local church. And yes, we're going to reopen, but we're not just called, as we know, to reestablish ourselves mid-COVID and post-COVID back in Ajax and Pickering and Bowmanville and Port Perry, which of course will come in spurts and starts. It's going to take time. We're still called to Port Hope. And we're still called to downtown Toronto and we're still called to Lower Oakville and we're still called to North York and the Markham-Stouffville border and the Lindsay-Peterborough area. This still is our assignment. One of the greatest gifts of last year, of the last 10 months, has been learning and working and failing and growing like this online. Moving Elf online, the Marriage Course online, Young Adults online, Youth online, Kids, Worship Services, Prayer online, Freedom Sessions online. Now, as we remain in the middle a bit longer, we need to look up and see that our future is bright. There is 11 front doors coming soon because God has called us, right, to 10 physical locations in 10 permanent ways, but also now has invited us into this online presence. And all of these front doors are going to bring the good news locally and, and in neighborhoods, but also nationally and globally. 
But we as a church are going to literally have to pray and say, God, you're going to have to provide the money and the staff and the volunteers and the buildings and the technology and the online venues. I, I know, I know it's such a difficult time for so many of us, but I just want our whole church to lift their head beyond your own situation and realize what a God-giving, exciting moment this is for us as a church. God has told us where we're going, and we're going to have to continue to pray and look for God's miraculous provision. And, and you're saying, okay, what's the takeaway as a church? Well, daily bread for us personally, but then as a church, we need to start 2021 by saying, Lord, would you give us shocking provision so we don't come out of COVID limping as a church, but running to reach more people and restoring us back to each other. But not only that, and I know some of you don't want to hear this, but let me do this. We also need to say to God, I am prepared to move again because this church will continue to move and follow after the Lord, whatever that means. Can I also just do a little side note here for a moment? Can I encourage all of you that call Sanctus Church, your home church, to actually stay. I know you can access church anywhere online. You can join a connect group at our church, but then attend three other churches online. But I just need to remind our church, we're not better than any other church, we're not. We don't believe bigger is better, we just, we reject that. But we do have a unique assignment and a unique calling. And we need a committed, praying, giving, prepared, unified people to keep doing our God-given task. We cannot afford choose-your-own-adventure in this critical moment because God is reworking the chessboard so we'll be able to reach more people during this moment and out of this moment. So as we start 2021 together, we're going to need God's presence to step in and to step out in obedience, but we're going to need His provision too. So there's four things I want us to commit to. If you're writing them down, do this. If you're about to turn off the iPad, I wouldn't. <laughs> Number one, I want you to commit to the God-given vision for our church. That you reaffirm, yes. Two, that you would say to God, on behalf of yourself and your family or friends, I am open to change and moving for the sake of the gospel, whatever that means. Three, commit and ask God to convict you like this before you grumble or lose sight of what God has called you to do, what God has called us to do, and you start looking back or to the side. And four, commit that every day you will become dependent on God and ask for daily bread. So I'm gonna lead us through these prayers as we start 2021 and dedicate ourselves together. So wherever you are, even if you, it'd be great if you could stand at home in your living rooms or dining rooms or wherever you are, even in your bedrooms uh, with an iPad or maybe you're listening to me in a car, so please don't stand, but let's just do this together. God, thank you for 2020. Though it was difficult and painful and, and dark, you still did amazing things through it. Thank you for 2021. And we as a local church recommit ourselves and ask for your presence and your provision. One, we together commit ourselves to the God-given assignment for Sanctus Church. We affirm that we are with you and will follow you. Number two, we say to you, God, we will be open to change and moving for the sake of God's kingdom. Three, we invite the Holy Spirit personally through the scriptures or through community to convict us very quickly if we cause disunity or we grumble or lose sight of what really matters, especially during these divided times. Can we openly welcome God to convict us so we will not be a grumbling people in 2021? 
But not only that, lastly, we personally commit to be dependent on you for daily bread. Help us to walk as Jesus taught us to. We give you our church, we give you our families, we give you our friendships. We dedicate this year to you and we pray for great life and great preparation for the next major steps. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all said together, yeah, amen. Well, welcome to 2021. I just work for the guy who's in charge just like you do, so I don't know where this is gonna go, but I cannot wait for you, for you to join us next week because the other thing I wanna teach on is uh, how the evil one is gonna resist this church as we move forward and actually where I sense and where some of us sense he already is so we can hunker down, fight back, and move forward. Look forward to seeing you next week as we continue in this mini vision series on God, our sustainer in the long middle. God bless you. We'll see you next week.